Welcome to the P40 podcast. I'm Shireen Vishmaya in San Francisco, and I'm delighted to have my Torian Wild Witch of the West counterpart with me today, Rebecca Farrar. Uh, and we tried to link up a couple weeks ago, I think, right? Yeah, I'm just like doing my best not to crack up. Yeah, we've been trying yeah. this for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's Mercury retrograde. But we were meant, I always think like when things get rescheduled, I always tell my clients this, that it's divine timing. And there was some reason we were supposed to do it on March 21st, 2019 on the day of Sun Conron. Mm-hmm. I think there's no accidents and I'm really excited to hear your take. Also, I want to just for um, people that, I mean, I'm sure many people that are listening probably already know you, but for, for people who might not know your work, I'd love to give them a little introduction into your background. And MA, I forgot to say she's MA, like me, we need to, we were just talking about, we have to own our, our hard work and labor and investments into those. Investment in money. <laughs> yeah, money, all of it. Time, money, the MA is that. Yeah, right. I knew it. See, that's why I said we can't plan because then I'll I'll miss the thing. But the MA, yes. But yeah, actually, that may be a good kind of segue into, mm-hmm. like, part of my interest in connecting with you. As I love that you have the background in archetypal astrology. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and so, and CIIS, and you call it Tarnesian astrology. Yeah, it's funny. I think that's just a word that people kind of, we made up as trying to find some sort of adjective to describe the lineage with Rick mm-hmm. Tarnas. I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just fun to make up words about lineage. Because I think too, because it is such kind of a newer process of astrology, we don't, it's like archetypal astrology, but also, I mean, you're an archetypal astrologer, you know? And so maybe yeah. we should just call, maybe mm-hmm. I should just call myself a Tarnesian. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going through this whole identity crisis, which might be a Mercury retrograde kind of thing that you and I were talking about the day we weren't able to record about like, do I even want to call myself a Jungian anymore? Like, Hmm. because Jung said not to call, he said people shouldn't call themselves in anything, you know, if you're really individuating, but then how do people know what kind of work you do? (laughs) (laughs) We all want to like have some kind of reference, I guess. So that's my whole identity crisis of like, I don't know because he was he was saying he wouldn't want to be he wouldn't want to be a Jungian if he wasn't Jung, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember him saying that. And I think that's also what's so interesting about your work is that you know we we have these different degrees and different backgrounds, but there's just like a beautiful similarity around what an archetypal approach means. Yeah. In so many ways, there's such a common language. I think that's kind of always what I've resonated when I've seen your work or read your content is I can just feel like that background similarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Yes, I love that about your work too. When you hear like the, I think it's the, it's what I love so much about um, Rick's work too, is that he's always bringing in the, it's like, it's kind of like the modern myth, I feel like that we're looking for behind the archetypal influence like I loved when you and I were for instance um discussing our charts and you were like oh in in our system we we don't focus as much on the aspects right it's more like the um wait am I getting this correct like like you you would say you're more of a, a moon uranus person right versus what was it like if there was a specific aspect to the moon wouldn't be as important 
No, it's that the sign um, and oh, the, the house yeah. are actually the pieces that we don't pay as much. And I think that's something that I've kind of shifted in my practice is that I do, I've been really particular about the house system that I use. And so the house system is something that I feel more connected to now, but I didn't before. Okay. Okay. Right. That's right. So not the sign, but like if there was a move, right, I got it completely backwards. <laughs> so if and we were just orienting to each other that conversation anyway. So it's not like you really need to be listening to. <laughs> no, I was and I got it, but that's just, this is a perfect example of how Mercury, how your brain is on Mercury retrograde. Like I totally got it. And now when I tried to articulate it, it just came out completely backwards. Like I understood that <laughs> the cool thing about it was that you're looking at those archetypal influence of like the planets having a stronger influence than the sign. Right. So in other words, the fact that your moon and Uranus were having this dialogue when you were born, that was more important than what the sign was for. Correct. Yeah. Those planets. Got it. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do too, actually. And I think that was actually what had me like astrology was understanding my aspects because I think I, I mentioned this before, but you know, I used to get astrology readings. I'm a Taurus and I would read astrology and horoscopes and nothing would ever resonate right. um, because it talks about being so stable and grounded. And I feel like the opposite of that. Um, and it's because wild. My, yeah, wild witch. Well, it's like, I have an earthy quality, but you know, my son is in the 11th house, the you know, Aquarian house and it's opposite Uranus. And so my, my particular energy that moves through me doesn't feel as connected to Taurus. And so it was such a relief when people started describing their charts that way. Cause I'm like, right. Like I can just be that like weird, quirky, non-Uranus person than trying to be a Taurus. Cause I don't feel much like a Taurus most of the time. Yes. Yes. And that is a great segue into the, what did you say you were feeling? Tyrannus? Tyrannus or Tyrannus. Tyrannus. Tell us about that. Um, it's funny because I saw a few astrologers using that and I just made me giggle because every joke about Uranus and Uranus still makes me giggle. Yes. Um, because how can you not? But I was thinking a lot about how, yeah, you combine this Taurus energy that is my sun and you combine Uranus, this planet of, you know, future and technology and collective inspiration and creativity. And you put those together and you get Taurus because Uranus yes. is now in Taurus. So we're in Taurus. We're in yes. Uranus, Taurus. <laughs> yes. And it is a very interesting place to be. And that I realized I, I, had this sense that unconsciously I thought to connect to you because you have some kind of insider look into that before I even realized that was going on in your chart that you were born with that sun Uranus aspect opposition right mm -hmm. um that you kind of live with that and now of course you're having it on the other end so you're going to have it with your son instead of opposing your son <laughs> right I don't know why when you said on your other end it just made me giggle <laughs> <laughs> I, there's like a butt joke in there that I obviously <laughs> of the aspect of the aspect <laughs> yeah no it's Robinson Scorpio you right right well and I was thinking that an aspect that we talked about I think I mentioned this before is that for so long I think what helped me understand this combination of Uranus and Taurus energy together um, was that there's this part of me that is both like really sexual and sensual and also really awkward. And so there was this kind of joke in grad school where we talk about me being provocward. It's this combination of, you know, provocative and awkward. 
which I think is such like a perfect kind of word to describe when that energy gets kind of provocward. Provocward. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I want to use that. And I feel like that's such an Aquarian Uranian thing is to make up words. Like yes. It's done words. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Definitely. I have actually have a whole bunch of words that I've made up and submitted to Urban Dictionary. Ooh. I went through a phase where I was just making up a ton of words and submitting them there so I could have like a record of these words that I somehow yeah. <laughs> credit for. I love that. Do you have, can you come up with a word for today's Sun Chiron energy? Um, <laughs> I just was like, Skyron? <laughs> Is that? <laughs> Skyron. Yeah. <laughs> Does that work? Kind of. How do we get the Aries? It sounds like sky. Kind of sounds like S in front of Chiron. Oh, yeah. How do we get the Aries? It's true. Um, fire, Skyron. Fire. Skyron on fire. <laughs> sky. Yeah. That, that totally works. I think you're. This should be your. <laughs> this should be fire, your. Sky, Skyron starter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a fire starter? <laughs> yeah, Skyron starter. We're in the Skyron starter. I love that so much. Yay. All right. Because did wait, didn't the guy who wrote that song, Firestarter, he just passed away, I thought, the guy yeah. from that band. So I love that song. Yeah, I do too. Especially when I say it really creepily, like, Firestarter, release the pressure. You know, like it has a good energy. I thought that was like a cover of an older song that Kiss wrote or something. I'm totally off. Oh, it could, it could be. Um, I just have the... That band, the one that did the modern one. What's the name? Um, yeah, and I feel like I can't say the word Firestarter without saying it with that song. Well, I did. I actually, it's still on YouTube, but people could Google this. It's kind of cool. I did this show in like back in like New York City in like the 2000s, somewhere in the middle there. I don't know, like around mm. 2008, I think, with called Zodiac Belly Dance. And for the Aries, oh my God, dance that was the song we used, Firestarter, and we had. <gasps> fierce dancer Aries like just totally killing it with that song so I always think of her like and she used that ver I'm, I'm I cannot think of the this is the thing I cannot think of the band's name now <laughs> of the the version we use we use the the um kind of techno version of it whatever that was yeah and I love that techno version yeah, it's a really cool song why can't we think of the name <laughs> well probably um, like halfway through it'll come to us I feel like it's it's like really close and I can't, hmm. yeah, I'm not sure. Pro prodigy, pro prodigy. Yeah, I was just about to Google it and then it came, yes. Um, you have such a better, I love the idea of like a woman dancing and belly dancing to that song. That sounds Ooh. stunning. Yeah, I'll, have to, I'll send you the thing later. And provocward, probably. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, how, and I wanted to ask you before I get too far off track, because I had the question when we first started talking about asking you how, you came up with um, your name, which I love. I love oh. the, um, the alliteration of it so much. And of course, well, I the, the word witch. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Shreena, it's so funny because whenever people ask me about this, I just feel my whole insides light up because it was one of those perfect moments where I just remember waking up in the middle of the night. It was like 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. um, and for a while, my cat was like waking me up to watch the sunrise. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, she's going to wake me up any moment. I may as well just get up. Um, and the name, just Wild Witch of the West, came to me. And I was like, what is this? Like, it was before I'd even started practicing astrology as a, like, reading charts. I was just, 
Um, I was still working in tech and consulting and business communications. And this name just came to me. Um, and it, I kind of feel like it's a name I'm still living into in many ways. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I think so much of, for me, the word wild is about like redefining it, you know, as a Jungian, like there's so much for me of wildness. It's actually about like soul. It's not mm -hmm. this pejorative out of control. Um, for me, wildness just means like I'm connected to soul and shadow. Yes. Um, and like the darker aspects of being human and the feminine in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but more so just like soul care, like I, you know, like dream work and anyway, so for me, wildness was like this aspect I has really only become more clear to me in the last few years because I was running these groups with women who run with the wolves and like exploring myth. Oh yeah. I was just gonna say that. That's what it reminds me of. The first thing I think of when I think of wild is, is her work. I know it's so stunning like the medial woman and this idea of certain types of women who are bridges between worlds and yes. so that's really where I think that wild and then which you know yeah really being this part of me that's very earthy and connected and also this bridge between worlds um and and also like power structures I think so much of what we're all orienting to which as is a woman not gendered I mean just a person who's really interested in power structures and the way that power is created and the ways we can shift power. Yes. Amen. Or a woman. Hey, whatever. Everyone. Hey, something. Um, I, if I just said that after you said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> more indicative. So just just more indicative of Mercury retrograde brain. Well, and um, it doesn't, yeah, and I think we're all still orienting to like new language, <laughs> right? And I think that's what's also fun about like the Iranian moment is we're all like, okay, new was, language is difficult. Yeah. I was just being provocward. Totally being provocward. Um, but then the yeah. last part, like which is yeah. something that, or sorry, the West part, I mean, that's like really, I think my favorite part of it that I'm realizing is that, you know, um, I read a lot of Bill Plotkin and like The Wild Mind and the first book, I, I remember someone finding my blog when I was in grad school and they just sent me Bill Plotkin's Wild Mind book to like review mm -hmm. on my blog. Oh, cool. And I just remember thinking like, this is weird. I've never done a book review. Like, well, whatever. Here's a free book. Um, and the West is the Heart. And I remember doing like more of these retreats in nature and it's like the West orientation is just such an interesting concept to me where, especially in the US, like we worked, we moved across the West, right? Like that was the orientation of how things evolved. Yes. East and colonization happened going East to West. Um, and that's been my own journey where I was born in Virginia and then made my way across the US. So there's something around like the West is like hmm. this goal and pioneering place. Yes, like very, pi I was going to say pioneering, and it feels very Uranus to me, like the whole mm -hmm. pioneer. I, I feel like your name, actually, it's interesting. I'm, I, I feel like your name is such a great, speaking of archetypal influence and embodiment of this whole, in, in the and also the way you're kind of like, you're, you said you're growing into the name, and how the name itself feels like it's part of what we're collectively growing into from... I've been thinking a lot about how we're making this evolution now from Uranus and Aries to Taurus, and then now Chiron is in Aries. So there's yeah. still, I always think of the wildness, when I think of wild too, I think a lot of, um, I think of it in different perspectives, but I can think of it in terms of the, the pioneering, like the Aries, like being like out in the wild, like in the unknown, and in this ingress of the first day of Aries, 
Right. I've been thinking so much about that. And I used, I don't know if you saw, but I love this quote from Emily Dickinson that I was using for the, for the equinox. I use it every year. I was like, oh yeah, I used that last year, but I still love it. Um, and it's that quote, it's her quote where she says, dying is a, a wild night and a, and a new road. And I just love, yeah, I, I don't know. I just love that word wild right now. I just feel like it's somehow the word itself is a way to bridge whatever it is we're moving, you know, how we're moving from Uranus and Aries to Chiron and Aries and then Uranus and Aries to Uranus and Taurus. And how do we embody, how do we embody the, that pioneering, blazing, wild fire starter energy mm -hmm. in our bodies? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so beautiful. That Emily Dickinson quote. Um, well, what's strange is when I also think about, yeah, this like wildness. So my thesis work in grad school was on linguistics and like a human connection to stars and how we learn about the human connection through the language we use. And, um, one word that always stuck out with me was the word wild in my research because, oh. um, the word wild actually comes from the word meaning forest. Um, oh, it's yeah. felt. And so I love this idea that, yeah, to them, like wildness was this like untamed forest, right? It was this making your way through something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was unknown. The unknown, yeah. And like things that are wild, things that are untamed, things that are un yet uncivilized. Well, yeah, but it's like, I think about earth itself as having, you know, that quality Mm -hmm. um, and we see it in like, yeah, forests and like the aspects where nature just grows in a way that is wild, right? Like mm -hmm. it doesn't, it just creates to create. This is like, when I say with Brian Swim, this is so much of what I feel is ingrained is if you think about the archetype of the earth itself, it's, you know, it's just this creative thing and dyna dynamism where things just happen. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they have a direction and yet they don't, and they just will keep growing and shifting and changing until something stops it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like the quality mm. of wildness as well. I feel with nature. And how do we get that back? We don't want to lose that. I feel like with all this like modernity and I don't know, I, I, I just, I freak out when I start to see everything becoming like, I was just having this conversation today actually about I'm like, why does everyone like, I'm sure this has probably always been the case, but for some reason on the day of the sun, Chiron and Aries, I'm like <laughs> having this deep protest in my <laughs> mind and heart about like, why does everybody want to have the same hairstyle with those like ring? I'm going to hope I'm not insulting people that have this, but, <laughs> what it is, but there's like this kind of, there's like everyone has this new hairstyle here. And then there's like a certain uniform. And I'm just like, I don't under, my Uranian side doesn't understand why people would not, why would they, why would they want to have the same, like look like everybody else? Like, what? I don't think I know what style you're talking about. I'm like, do I have, I probably have that style. No, no, it's a very specific, no. And I, I shouldn't say it because now I'm going to hurt people's feelings and I don't mean to do that. But just, I guess I'm just using it as a metaphor for like, I think there's a lot of pressure for people. You know, it's a conform thing, whatever. But then of course, I, I used to always make fun of the, that cartoon or I used to always use that cartoon like, you know, I'm a nonconformist and so are all my friends. So, I mean, we can't really mm -hmm. not conform to something. Like everybody has their thing, but I don't know. Today, for some reason, during the, the sun Chiron on Aries, I was like, there's this thing. Like now 
like I keep seeing like it it's like when one person has like the hairstyle like remember how it was like the Jennifer Jennifer Aniston hairstyle for a while <laughs> right. I don't know who started this new one but there's a new one and I'm like I just want to go tell people like just do your own version of it or like just shift it up or something that's the part of me that wants people to be unique or authentic like just yeah I mean, just shift it up a little bit or something I mean but I don't know. I, I want to also have compassion for like whatever that is in us that needs to feel like we should have whatever is the thing, the popular thing. I don't yeah. know. I'm just trying to understand it more than judge it. I don't really don't, I sound judgmental, but I think I'm really more trying to understand like, is this a symptom of having lost something wild in us that would just be like, well, this is the way my hair grows. I'm not going to fix it. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I heard you sound curious. I don't know about just like judgment. I heard, I heard curiosity in there and just to let you know, but this is also similar to tattoos. I was talking about some of this the other day too, right? That tattoos are this thing that were the symbol of uniqueness. And now yeah, so many people have tattoos. So yeah, I think we're speaking to this lost sense of individuality, but then also the shadow side to me of Uranian energy is like that last unicorn thing, right? Where we all think we're so unique and then we, yeah. <laughs> we like miss out on the fact that we're all still really human together. Yes. Yes. That I like, I like the being human together piece. Like, and you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to, um, the, maybe the sun Chiron piece for me is trying to understand, okay, so what does it mean to be to blaze our own trail, to be authentic, to, um, to individuate on all levels. Like, is it, cause Aries is kind of an appearance sign too, if we think about it can be. Um, so how does that factor into our appearance, you know, or our branding or our personas or, you know, there's also this thing I've been thinking a lot about, like how everybody has like the formula, you know, like I even look yeah. at it. Like, why does everybody have like, they want their things. And I know I realize like our psyches respond better to like when people's highlights all have the same kind of look instead of it being all different, you know, if it's right. more warm or something. And I'm like, what is that? I mean, I don't know. It's like, there must be something, I guess I'm just trying to understand it. What is it in us? Is it a resistance to being wild or is it a needing for like order or like consistency? Cause I know, I mean, one thing that I'm terrible at that they always say with branding is you have to be consistent. Like you can't be changing all the time. And I'm like, well, then I'm never, I'm going to always be a brand failure because I'm always changing. I don't know how to, because it's always evolving. <laughs> I'll get too bored. So I'm going to just lose people, but that's okay. But you know what I mean? So yeah, the wildness versus the, not versus, but yeah. How do, how do we embrace the wildness and still, I guess the Taurus piece would be like the, the consistency, the familiarity, the predictability, like there's something comforting when you know, like you, there, we all like that. There's something comforting in knowing like you're going to, you can, you know what to expect. Yeah. Well, I was, I was also hearing what you were saying that I, an aspect of Chiron that is really important to me that I, I speak a lot with clients about being a son Chiron. This is, I feel like something I'm always navigating is like, what is a healthy sense of ego? And I think that's also what we're speaking to, right? Is this identity of knowing that you're both an individual and also part of a, a collective. Yeah. And I see Chiron is really that confusion of also what is a healthy ego where like, what are the times when I puff out and where are the times when I get small? and navigating this domain of being human. And so sometimes it is like being really unique and then other times it's blending in as this way of like ego identification. Yeah, yeah. 
um, that's kind of what I was also hearing is maybe it's like wildness, but it's also just like, I think trying to understand a healthy ego sense. Yeah, maybe that's it. We have to be a little bit, I guess, to play the game of life, we have to be a little bit civilized, huh? Yeah. And then, I mean, this is just something I think a lot about as a Sun Chiron person that, you know, we get in these phases of being human where we puff out a lot, right? And then in, in Jungian depth psychology, that puffing out has to be equally balanced with it going in. Otherwise, that's when we get like severe extroverted narcissism. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or then we get collapsed narcissism if we don't puff out enough, right? And so yes. I keep thinking that, that this Chiron Aries thing is really like navigating yeah. that part of ego self in Ooh, some way. Oh my God. And hello, your son Chiron, I forgot. And there we go. You're born under Sun Chiron. And so there, that would make sense why we got rerouted to a Sun Chiron day. Yeah, you're right. Although it's oh. funny, but it's also so funny because I am so annoyed with, I think, the way most people talk about Chiron. Well, that's why you're here to be the, the messenger. We got we to gotta have a I different conversation. Uh, maybe, but I just feel like that, I mean, I think you'd appreciate this being an archetypal astrologer. I think archetypes can get so oversimplified when there's not like an integrated sense of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think Chiron has been one of these archetypes. It's been very oversimplified as like the wounded healer, the part of us that's in pain, but without really acknowledging the bigger picture of how Chiron's holding both the personal and collective pain. Yeah. Yeah. And so is a lot in a Chiron experience that can, the half of my difficulty is teasing out what is my personal trauma and what is the collective trauma. Mm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like, what else do you feel like what for you personally, like, I mean, cause it's a recurrence transit too. Right. So I wonder, do you notice a different feeling on the day? Like, you know, once a year when this happens, I do. And I, I talk a lot about how the importance of knowing your chart, because that way, when there is this transit that mirrors your chart, that you can usually get pretty big insights into how, how that how that combination shows up because you can witness it, I think in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Um, but from, yeah, for me, the, the Chiron piece is always, I mean, if I'm just super vulnerable, it's like always navigating this sense of like hiding and not being good enough and being mm-hmm. so like, I lean a lot towards introverted narcissism where I just get really little, mm-hmm. I don't matter. I'm not valuable. Um, mm-hmm. it's like the spiral happens so much. And so, so much of my work, is that like, what is a healthy ego sense, right? Mm -hmm. Where I feel too much if I take up any space. Okay. And I swing wildly kind of between taking up too much space and then not taking up enough space and getting really collapsed and little. Yes. I think a lot of people struggle with that, you know, especially introverts. Yeah. I'm sensitive. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good thing to talk about. I think with, and you, (laughs) since it's, man, I start coughing. It's it's indoors. (laughs) Uh-huh. Do you, have you found it's a, specifically around your voice, having a voice? Um, no, you know, God, this is also an interesting topic. I find it more around my femininity and mm-hmm. um, the fact how weird it is that my son is in the sign of being really feminine, but like I really, in many ways, try to not be seen as attractive or like fear attractive. And I have a lot of judgment around um, I have this fear of performative femininity. Okay. Like really goddessy and uh-huh. over the top. Yeah. Um, because I feel like it, so much of my life, like I was a runner up in like 
Miss Colorado and I was a TV reporter and there was this identity around this value of myself as a woman by the way that I looked. And so then I think once I realized what a wound that was, I just have went the far other way where like, I didn't really want to be seen. I'm afraid of being this like goddessy woman who's just seen for the way that she looks. And so I find a lot of like hiding around my own beauty that happens in that process. Okay. Okay. The Venus piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much the, the Venusian. Like I have, yeah. And I have all this fear around, like, I don't want to just be like another goddessy white woman on Instagram. Like I have this deep fear of being that archetype in some way. Ooh, okay. Yeah. What do you want to be seen as? Would you say? Um, it's funny now. I feel like you're my analyst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know this is a problem when I try to do it's so sweet because I think you know also being astrologer we're so used to like asking other people questions so it's yeah. a unique position for me to be have someone actually be curious about my own process right yeah yeah um and most of my close friends are therapists so I definitely have gotten used to doing the way where I'm like um you just changed your voice is that the tone you used <laughs> I know I get accused of like the head tilt like this <laughs> totally oh my god um this person I'm seeing does the head tilt and they're yes, like empathic head tilt. I've been told I have the empathic head, like the lean. Yeah. And it makes me cringe. I'm like, don't do it right now. <laughs> don't. It's a good thing you can't see me on video right now then. <laughs> or I would definitely. I was probably do doing it. I bet I was. You probably were. I just heard it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> see, there, there's a Taurus. The Taurus piece. Yeah, I don't even remember what you asked anymore because it was like, oh, you're asking me a question about my own process. This is a lot of attention. Oh, yeah, I was asking, it, it's exactly this thing. I was asking how you would want to be seen. Yeah, and I think that's a, an aspect of still navigating what a healthy ego sense is, right? Is that I think for me, the aspect of Taurus that I feel really identified with is the one who's like very, um, my, my being is based on my connection to other people. And it's not this, this is where I also struggled with like Libra energy is that for me, it's not about an other. It's like for me being a Taurus is that I feel so in love with just like humans and I'm like turned on by things growing on the earth. Yes, that's so Taurus. <laughs> it's, it's like, I just like some, I remember telling people when I was little, like this grass loves you. Aww. You know, and so I think the way that I would want to be seen is that for me, being feminine and like being identified as very identified with being female is that I, it's about connection. Like to me, my femininity and my beauty is actually based on my ability to connect. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not based on like me wearing certain clothes or having on makeup or taking beautiful photos of myself. Um, yeah. It's you know, it's like, for me, that is the aspect of being a Taurus that I feel really proud of that like my life works when I'm connected. Mm -hmm. And when I'm a good person who like loves and shares my love. Mm, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Oh, thanks. That feels wow. good. Feels good to hear. Do you, um, I was going to ask you like in your practice, do you have a any kind of, I'm just thinking in terms of that, do you feel like that influences even the way you approach a chart? Like, do you think of like the way somebody grows into their chart or the wildness in the chart? I'm just trying to maybe. Uh, um, I do think a lot about like the individuation process itself in a chart and uh -huh. um, 
I think because as a son Chiron, my son feels like this place, like my identity feels like this place where I feel a lot of insecurity. Mm-hmm. So the way that I approach the chart is, is usually looking at kind of understanding the waves of like a solar and lunar identification mm. where I've noticed we tend to like, as we're younger, we tend to be very solar oriented. Like I was a tourist when I was young, like I wore dresses every day. I just would like sit in the grass. Oh. Um, and then I went through a phase where I was just very lunar. And it was like my Aries moon and I was always kind of agitated and ambitious. Um, and now I'm like in that individuated phase where I'm trying to really central version is what Eric Neumann calls it, where you're integrating um, like your emotional self and your outward identity self. The sun and the moon alchemy. That's what I, yeah. And I, he, he uses the word central version. I always thought that was such an interesting idea that, you know, Jung uses the term and similar but he created this term based on Jung's work and it's this idea of like central version being where you're the center and you're really like orbiting around different parts of yourself mm, mm. it's kind of like middle pillar in a way yeah. yeah 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 and I just find that that's kind of how I approach the chart when I'm looking at people's experiences I listen for where they are like whether they're really lunar or solar identified and then try to track kind of what process they're in of integrating both of those and then also listening for their Chiron. Mm, I love that. So you do focus on the Chiron a lot in the reading. Oh, so much. I think you'll, you know, get this, like the, this is the beautiful part to me whenever you work one-on-one with someone, right, is that obviously their experience is a mirror of your own in so many ways. And so most of my clients have really strong Chirons. And so that's just been, I think the beautiful part of my work is being able to like really help Chiron people get like, this is a, this is a really strange archetype and yeah. here are ways that I work with it. And here are some suggestions and like, how can I support you in this type of thing? Yes. What do you think about the, um, the idea of Chiron being like the rainbow, is it the rainbow bridge? Oh yeah. And is it Barbara Cloud? The, it's like the yeah. wounded Barbara healer. Hanclaw. And Barbara Hanclaw. I read that book years ago. I loved it. It's so good. And I think she's, she's the one who also says, and the, it's like a uh, wounded healer and wholeness weaver. Ooh, wholeness uh-huh. weaver. I love that. Well, I love the idea of it, like how she really talked about how it's the bridge between Saturn and Uranus. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, psychologically, like thinking about how... And, and the animal human, like we were talking about right. too, but how, and Anne Ortley actually said this in a recent podcast, which I thought was interesting. And I hadn't thought about like to think about whether your Chiron is heading towards Saturn or Uranus, like which one is it oh. toward? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course my brain's like, obviously Chiron or sorry, obviously Uranus. <laughs> is it? Uh-huh. For me, but that's an interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. We're, that well and I was thinking so much how it's the expansion of Chiron is different from like a Jupiter expansion Mm -hmm. you know like I think of Jupiter expansion and it's it's like more kind of silly and it's it's like more socially oriented and I think of the Uranus expansion versus the Saturn constriction is it's really like you're out there yeah like like you're like I feel like such kind of an alien being like mm. doesn't really know how to be human versus the Jupiter expansion, which is still like human. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but I love that idea of thinking about the differences between the expansive nature of Uranus versus the expansive nature of Jupiter and how that can inform that bridge in some way. I, I, I'm missing the Jupiter piece of it. 
Um, well, because I guess the way that I orient to expansion in being human is like Saturn represents a constricted aspect of oh, human. Oh, okay, yes. And then Jupiter's yeah, like the expansive nature of human. I know. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So it's so interesting. It's Saturn with this like other expansive planet. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, true. I feel like I I feel like Uranus is sort of the well, and I don't remember if she said this in the book or I just made this up in my head somewhere along the lines, but the idea of that physical form, like kind of root chakra, Saturn energy, trying to awaken through the Kundalini, like Uranus being part of that awakening process of the Kundalini. Yeah. And how the wound, you know, they say the God enters the root through the wound, like yeah. Chiron is sort of the way, the way through for us. Like we can't really raise the, it's not safe to really raise the Kundalini unless we're really, we've got strong Saturn in place, you know, and then the, the way through from Saturn to the liberation or expansion of Uranus would be doing all of that deep healing work of Chiron somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I remember. How Chiron, it's always a mystery to me how, I mean, it definitely is like the ouch place. It's really clear. Like it's, you can just feel it when there's a transit to Chiron. It's just like, even if there's nothing happening, you just kind of walk around with this dull ache all day. Like, oh, wow. Like, I remember the last time I did a podcast, I was talking to Adam Ellenbots about Chiron. And I'm like, it's just like those, that feeling when you wake up in the morning, you just feel bad. And there's not any particular reason. You're just like, I'm in pain. Like, I don't feel good. Like something hurts, something hurts something's not right. I don't, I don't know what it is, you know? And I just feel like that's Chiron, but I, I don't really understand it. Yeah, well, so I describe the like the Chiron process as like fourfold, like the different ways we experience Chiron. Yeah. As like one I experience is this like abandonment and so like a fear of abandonment mm -hmm. and self-abandonment being a big phase that I feel in myself. Okay. Um, and then like the second aspect where then you feel invaluable or you just feel like you don't you're not worthy you were abandoned you don't want to be abandoned again and so then you go into this phase of trying to be all things to all people it's like the martyr phase of chiron where you give away mm -hmm. stuff for free and yeah. you're just always trying to earn love and care um and then this other phase where it's just so painful that you're just like totally collapse in and that's like chiron the myth where he just like wants to die mm. Mm -hmm. And then that phase where he's then like immortalized. And so I, I feel like I kind of circle over and over and cycle between these phases. Yeah. Like just over. And so depending on, yeah, that, that like, it's like this existential meaningless sometimes I feel when I'm in like the lower part yeah. of the Chiron expression yeah. where it's like, yeah. I don't matter. Like I don't even, it's so existential Saturn mixed with like a higher, a hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So totally like an Ingmar Bergman film yeah it's like it's so painful and you're right yeah. it's like you can't really fully touch the pain point because then it yeah. just hops to like it's like a trauma response where like you touch the pain it just like hops to a different pain point yeah yeah it's terrible <laughs> I know. I'm like so sad I'm like this is my life it's so depressing <laughs> hey girl I got moon Chiron so I feel you oh you do that's yeah crazy. that's even I, I think that's worse I kind of too. We're going to compete. I mean, right. no, I mean, it's Aries season. We should compete. No, no um, I'm just joking. Um, but I'm no, not. It's, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not fun, the Moon Chiron. And I get a lot of people, I get tons of people with Moon Chiron issues too. You do. What about, I'm curious about your own experience of Chiron. I find that I go through phases where I attract a lot of really wounded people because if I'm not like owning my healing powers, then I kind of unconsciously 
bring in people who need help? Well, I feel, yeah, definitely. I mean, what I've come to learn through the years is that my, my own moon Chiron, because it's in my fourth house, it's got like really deep ancestral roots. It goes back to my great grandmother who was literally left on the doorstep. Oh my God. Um, orphan child. So I think I'm carrying, I, a lot of what I wake up in the morning feeling is probably that still. And, um, on some level and, but also like, I mean, not to, there, there is a beauty to it. There is a power to it. It's, it's not just as, you know, horribly like bad movie, sad movie. (laughs) It might sound, I mean, it definitely has brought a lot of creativity and, um, but it's a, it's a homeless, it's kind of like a homeless. I feel like Moon Chiron has like a homeless thing yeah. like in terms of abandonment. Yeah. Sun Chiron is abandonment of, the, abandonment of the self. I think Moon Chiron is feeling a, a deep emotional or like even a, a deep emotional abandonment. Um, and also the homeless, it's a homeless archetype for sure. So I help yeah. a lot of people that are like kind of like lost souls trying to find their home in the world in different ways because I I understand that feeling like even though I mean I part of the healing of that for me is that I travel all over the world and have made home every like learned how to make home in all different places situations you know that's been wonderful and I think that's what my great-grandmother did actually she traveled the world um so that's been the gift of it so I wouldn't I wouldn't give it back for anything um but it's you know it is interesting that it, yeah, it's like that existential, like there is some piece of it. I like how you have those four hearts to it because it's like, the, you know, there's the, um, the part, the personal part of it. There's the collective part as we talked about. And then there's kind of like, and I see this with a lot of amazing artists too, like when they have a strong Chiron signature, then there's maybe that's the immortalizing, you know, like, yeah, like you turn it into something um, that so much great art comes from those wounds, you know, or the God, if the God enters where the wound is, well, that can also be the creative God or the, the numinous or the archetypal mythic level of creation that can come through that. I mean, without that, it's like, imagine like all the things that we consider great art, like the great Shakespeare story or, you know, <laughs> like Van Gogh or like, you know, there's so many things where you're like, if it didn't have that kind of Chiron mythic level aspect to it, I mean, I don't know. I think something we'd be missing a lot, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so strange is it's like it gives it meaning. Like the yeah. pain is what gives it meaning. Yeah. And it's like that is, there's, I'm trying to remember who had this quote, but there is this quote around that Chiron shines its brightest when it's in service of God. Mm. Oh, that's there's, great. You know, and I have to remember who, I have to find who wrote that, but it, it, that, I think that's how I feel too. It's like when I'm in that like depth phase and I'm starting to come out of it, what gets me out is that remembering of like, right, like this suffering is both mine and not mine in service of something. Yeah. Um, and I see you talk about your clients. Yeah. I see with most of mine, it is, it's like these people who, who are just like pretty lost at sea or a lot of times who have struggled with a lot of um, addiction disorder. Um, oh, mm-hmm. I see that a lot as well. I don't know if you've seen that with Chiron too. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a big part of my work for sure. And I think yeah, because it's addiction for us often is wanting to escape from the pain, mm-hmm. from deep soul pain, self-medication, and also right. crave for something beyond this world at the same yeah. time. 
and it's yeah i mean that that goes back to jung's connection with 12 what is i always forget his name the man that started the 12 steps you know they were friends oh alanon right um i don't remember his name right I know we don't have names today, guys. It's mercury. we don't have names. It's just we, like, we don't have any. I, mean, I was so proud. I remembered Eric Neumann's name. I'm proud of you. I know with Mercury and Pisces, it's a hard enough with names, but then put it retrograde and <laughs> and already like I I have a Mercury Neptune thing in my chart. It's not. I do not do. I, I forget. Like <laughs> it's so funny being an astrologer <laughs> and like want to be taken seriously, and then I do podcasts and I say things that sound like I have like. I should not even ever touch a chart because I will get like the most basic terminology <laughs> completely, you know, I'm like, Oh, I don't even know what that's called. That thing, you know? Yeah. But, I think that's yeah. the, the beauty of astrology. And I mean, I feel like honoring Chiron. I mean, he was like such an amazing astrologer. Oh, I know there was something about Chiron around, um, you know, Cairo comes from the word hand. Yes. Like chiromancy, the tarot. Right. And chiropractic. And so I love to think about also people who have a strong chiron. Most of them are usually pretty talented, like hands-on Reiki masters or something. Like the energy just moves through the hands so easily. Yes. Do you do that? Do you do energy work? Um, I did. I used to I, Reiki attuned and I used to do, but now I just do it for myself. Um, and I, it's, there's something around like self-healing, right? Like the sun with chiron, like being my own healer that has been really empowering to use Reiki just on me. Yes. And I have to ask you, I know I keep coming back. This might be annoying. I don't know why something's telling me to ask you about the voice because I really, I always find with Chiron and Taurus, there's something really powerful about the voice and healing. Do you do any kind of singing or work or chanting? I don't. And now I, I trust your intuitive hit. I mean, maybe there is, I used to, I used to be a singer, but um, yeah. yeah, I haven't, you know, I, when I think of my voice, it, it's more so feels like I'm writing. Mm, okay. Um, my voice seems to be more in my writing than in my verbalizing necessarily. Um, but I trust your hit. Maybe this is something I, I yeah, I, I'm getting that. Hit. I am getting that hit for you. And it's interesting, like with me, even with Chiron, I was born with Chiron and Aries. Um, mm. I know that when I'm more physical, like when I get really disciplined with my physicality, like when I, I mean, when I was younger, I was a gymnast and whenever I, st- and then I did dance for a long time, but whenever I step away from it, I lose something. And like, and it's really easy for me to get out of it too, to just like, be like, eh, you know, fall out of it. But I notice like when I pick up that Mars piece of the Chiron and Aries and I am in that kind of warrior, like physical thing, it, it's real, it's very important. And I don't realize it until I'm not, and I don't realize how powerful it is until I'm back in it. So I wonder, I'm just curious. I don't know if that's true, but I wonder if you have something like that with the singing. Yeah, I'm sorry, I have a beeper, just a moment. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I just haven't really thought about it. I find that my healing has often just been in like owning those really Taurus qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, like today, I just went and like sat in grass and ate a baked good. It's like if I can overly become oh, yeah. tor- very Taurus-like, then somehow it, it kicks me back. Yeah, that sounds good too. But the voice thing, yeah, I'll, I'm going to sit with that. Maybe there is something more that is, is wanted there. Yeah, I don't know why I was just getting that, but... Um, I trust it. I yeah, trust you'll, have to, you'll have to let me know. You'll have to let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's just my wacky thing. But um, 
Wait, I feel like this is a great conversation around the Chiron. So we talked about the God, the wound. Is there anything else that we were missing that we want to, with the myth, what about like the half animal piece? Should we talk about that? Oh no, we, we haven't really talked about that. Um, it's funny because I, I don't think about much like as literal half animal thing. Mm-hmm. I think more about how Chiron to me is such like a, a shadow Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, you know, I think a lot about, I think in, um, shamanic astrology, they talk about this, how, you know, Pluto is more of like an underworld planet and Chiron is also like an underworld planet. And so I see the Chiron part of me or like the, the animal part as being very, like, I'm, I feel like I'm always trying to hide like how unpretty these like insecure traumatic parts are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, the other thing that often gets emphasized a lot is like, which is kind of funny because everyone has Chiron in their charts. It's like, well, then everyone is a wounded healer. Right, right. right. Wounded healer. That whole, like, that's, a, that's its own thing now. Like, I'm mm-hmm. a wounded healer, like healing the wounded healer. But we're all wounded healers. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think too, you know, Jung had Chiron in square with his son. Oh. Um, and he was the one who termed, he came up with that term, wounded healer. Oh, he did. Yeah. And, and so yeah. I think that that's also where it's, it's complicated is that he identified, I think, on some level and how that identification actually made his work so great. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't identify as a wounded healer. I, I just try to identify as, as just a healer. Yes. Yes. I know. I mean, I think even the wounded, the idea of the wound, I don't know, that's kind of a really popular thing nowadays to talk about the wounding and the wound and our wounds. And I wonder, I mean, with a battlefield reference, especially Chiron and Aries, maybe uh, more popular. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Well, I, I think too, a lot about the idea of Chiron. I don't know if you have this with yourself, but I, like, it's really easy for me to play, to feel victimized. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that like, again, like that introverted narcissism where suddenly like everything is taken really personally. Um, uh-huh. And I think that that's the aspect that I'm trying to understand is like, where are the moments when I have been victimized? Yeah. And where are the moments where like, I'm just trying to create a perpetrator in some way. Um, that's a that, really good point. That's like another aspect I, I think about a lot with Chiron is it is, Chiron was a victim. Um, mm-hmm. But we're also as our culture and collective, like it's really scary to identify with being a victim and to identify with the wound. Yeah. And so me also trying to understand like, where, where can I understand myself as a victim in a way that like serves me in my healing? And where do I over-identify with victimhood as a way of like preventing moving forward? Yes. This has been, I've been talking a lot about this. It's funny. I keep posing this in a lot of my workshops lately. Ah. Yeah. This exact question where I say, how can we stop playing the victim? But like, because it's easy to play into that, but at the same time, still honor where we have been victimized. You don't want to deny or repress or diminish experiences when your soul actually did feel traumatized and victimized. But you also don't want to keep playing the victim role either because that disempowers, right? And so 
how I, I don't have the answer, but I just keep asking the question because I think we're, I feel like somehow moving. I, the reason I've been talking a lot about this is it keeps coming up when I think about this transition from 29 Pisces to zero Aries, like which we had with you know, the Mercury retrograde stationed at 29. We just had that ingress yesterday from 29 to zero. Right. And then of course, when Chiron shifted on the 18th of February, that was that same thing. So it's like that keeps coming up that how we're doing with that transition. And of course, every year at the equinox, there's something about like moving from perhaps, I, I don't know, I mean, not, not that I want to lay the victim archetype on Pisces all the time, but mm -hmm. certainly, I mean, if we think of like the Neptune, the hangman archetype, there's a little bit, the unconscious piece of it can be victim. Yeah. These can be the, the absolute surrender. Yeah. I'm so glad you're asking that question. I mean, yeah, I think it's also beautiful. You know, I think hearing you say that it just gave me a great appreciation of like, yeah, why like depth psychology and like the mirroring of the experience of being victimized is so important. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, I do see so much trauma with people who have major Chiron. And so, yeah, I would never want to erase that there has been victimization. But I think that that word is what's really shifting yeah. in our collective psyches is we're like reorienting to what that word means. Because I often find that people who, who like myself, it's like when I play a victim, I make someone else the perpetrator. And then the same thing has happened to me where suddenly like I have to be the perpetrator yeah, and it's very disorienting. And so I think there's a new model of of how we can own harm when we have been harmed, and not always just automatically create a perpetrator. I think it's like a new consciousness that's trying to. I think so too, and part of it, I think, is yeah, it's part of this wild. I think it goes back to the the wild energy of like the the rise. Like there's when I think of like going from Pisces to Aries too, I think of like this kind of rise back to the wild. So it's like hmm. if we take if we claim that part of us that had been wounded and we see like, then we become this, there's this rise that happens or this rebirth that happens and we're even stronger on the other side of it. Then we own perpetrator and victim in one within us. Right. And there's this kind of new emergence of this energy. And you can kind of see it with like all the women, like after the me too, it's not so much yeah. like it wasn't just so that all women would be like, see, we've all been victimized. It's more like, Hey, look, look what's on the other side of that. Like all these women coming together to speak up, you know, and not be a victim anymore. The victim was in the silence. Right. Well, so I actually have an idea that I think the planet Sedna is the archetype of the empowered victim. Ooh. And it's kind of like, that's the next phase we're building into, you know, it's like one of the most recent planets to be discovered. Yeah. It's kind of orbiting out of our solar system. We're still trying to understand it. It's like the transcendent function of Jung, right? It's like an idea we have yet to live into. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that that's kind of this archetype. And I see it as representing Sedna, though I don't know that um, I've done enough kind of personal research to back that idea up yet. Hey. I kind of feel like Chir the next level of Chiron is Sedna in some way. Yeah, that's really intriguing. I like that. Oh, I love that. And maybe that's a really, this, I feel this is a good note to end on. Is there anything you want to um, share with the listeners, like that things that you've got coming up that um, you want anyone to know about and it just or any other kind of parting words um, oh yeah thanks for that opportunity so I'm working on a piece of um well this is very Chiron and Aries but I, I worked for 15 years in marketing and PR and so I'm working on a course right now to help people kind of basically get like basic business education mm. that's grounded in astrological principles 
um, and using my experience of working in marketing for 15 years. Um, so that's kind of on the horizon. It's I'm working on the, the curriculum right now. Um, but that's kind of, because I think as a fellow healer, right? Like we want to bring all the other healers with us. And this is like kind of my way to do that. Oh, I love that. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. So helpful because a lot of times that is the big thing. It's like, and I love, you know, that, that's a really case in point, beautiful example of like the part of you, like the healing of the part of you that was like, I'm afraid to put myself out there and take up space yeah. and help other people put themselves out there, take up more space through Definitely. your wisdom, right? Yeah. Thank you. Mm. That, that's exactly kind of what I, and just kind of one-on-one -on -one sessions. It's, it's also fun to dive into I find most of my one-on-one -on -one sessions are also really focused on like the right business model. So it's yeah. kind of been an evolution. So we'll see, but that's on the horizon. It's not fully complete, but also just, yeah, visiting my website. I also have some free quizzes on there that are really silly. That sounds fun. Um, yeah, but thanks, Trin. It's so nice to just speak to another, you know, archetypally oriented, oh. technology oriented person. I just so appreciate your, your lens and your view and like what you offer the world and Thank um, for you. having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation. I really loved delving into the Chiron. I feel like you really brought a lot of new insights to me and hopefully everyone obviously will listen to um, <laughs> about Chiron. You know, it was really fascinating to go deeper into that. And, and it's great because we didn't have a plan, you know, when we started. <laughs> which I really trust in that, you know, because I think we wouldn't have gotten the magic if we overplanned it. And we didn't know. I, sometimes, a lot of times I don't know what brings me to somebody because I didn't really know you. We were trying to connect through this um, San Francisco group of astrologers, but I never made it to the dinner yet. And, um, and then you just were like on my radar. Now I, I know, now I see why, which is I what I love so much about the archetypal world and synchronicity and really trusting in that, that, there's something bigger than us that brings us together at a specific time. Yeah. And there's no accident. And now you're like really on my radar, not just like kind of on my radar. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Me too, my dear. I love it. Yes, well, we'll have to like, once we sign off here, I got to talk to you some more. So um, thanks everybody so much for listening. And uh, thanks again, Rebecca. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.